1: We want a dynamite from the post rest in sight. you, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubble Which we hear from John and Wayne Tate. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the buck stops here, yeah, this thing might blow. Everything you hear are opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the Forbes and let them know.
2: Welcome to Rewinded Dynamite. John Pollock waiting here on Wednesday night, July twenty first. Hello, way. How are you? Doing all, well, John? How are you? I'm doing okay. Another day.
0: It's another day. It is. We we almost match.
1: A little. Um.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. A, b- a bit of a gray with uh, some white, white underneath. Yeah. Look at that. Okay. That's What's about all? it. Just an acknowledgement, that's it. Yeah, cool. Nice. We should attempt to dress the same. Every In uniform? Time. Yeah, we, we should could. attempt to match. We did a few weeks ago by mistake. Total accident, yes. We were both wearing our OSW shirts.
2: That's right. That's right. We both We both were sporting the the OSW cause. So there you go. What's what's happening?
0: uh not a whole lot man just uh you know i've got a wedding to prepare for for um a few weeks so oh yeah you do was out out the today doing some of that and uh yeah just kind of you know enjoying this
2: wonderful How's, how's how's the wedding planning going just in a broad sense for a couple of weeks from now now that we are into stage three has that dramatically improved
0: your situation I mean, yes, it has in that, um, like only maybe a few days ago, we found out that we'd be able to have indoor dining. So, I mean, it's overall a positive, but it also means that we essentially have to plan for a far bigger wedding than, you know, we had intended on this entire time. And we only have about three weeks to do it, you know, before we were only going to be able to do the ceremony and, um, we weren't planning on having any sort of indoor dining no no reception basically so now we wow. have to basically kind of scramble for and my fiance is like doing almost all of this stuff she is pretty much doing it all so i'm just kind of on the sidelines being like don't stress out too much <laughs> and that's as much as i can really do but like you know where like she she spent the day with a friend going over like flower arrangements and we got to pick up all this other like candles like
2: a lot of candles it's a um yeah it's like 10 million things i was in a very similar situation where it was my wife that was doing all of the planning stuff i i basically went on that trip to russia just weeks before like we had several weeks before the wedding and then i got home and it was pretty much for the wedding so i mean i i could not take too much credit for anything involved with the wedding yeah well yours turned out great so hopefully ours turned out great I was kind of uh, just, I, I I looked at the big picture things. Maybe that's what you're doing. Big picture stuff. You chose
0: uh, my walkout deep, which was a uh, Juice and Thunder Liger's theme song. So that. that's that was right. Plenty. That's right. Plenty. Yes.
2: Well, uh, I wish you uh, the best over the next couple of weeks. I hope it isn't uh, too stressful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. No, we're counting the
0: days. We're just ready to kind of, you know, have a ready to have a great day and to, to basically move on
2: with our lives. All right, let's let's dive into things. I am going to give a disclaimer at the beginning of this show. Uh, I, I I am so tired right now. I have I am trying to keep myself awake. Literally, it was uh, a tumultuous last twenty four hours for me. Still no hot water. I take <laughs> that. That's not even lo- no. To answer your question, no, and there won't be for for days. For days. That's what? oh my uh, god. Yeah, there's wow. there's even- damage. There's damage, There's needs to be assessments, a lot of stuff. On top of that, last night I was I was saying, I just, I finished our show away and I, I looked up to the sky and I said, uh, man, could things get more difficult? This water situation has been really rough. Could it get worse? Well, yes, because our daughter is getting three teeth coming in simultaneously. So she cried last night. This began at 11 p.m. And with the exception of one, I would say, 45-minute gap, she cried until 4 in the morning. I went into her room at around 4. And I just lay down on the floor next to her crib. And this was able to calm her down. She fell asleep. And I thought I had just pulled off a miracle. So I ran back to my room. Within 10 minutes, she is crying again. And that is when I made the realization, well, I will be sleeping on this this floor. So my sleep was from 4.30 in the morning until 7. And I got up. Dude, I thought I'd been hit by a truck. That's how painful it was, sleeping on this floor. But it was the only way. It was the only way. Oh, my God. Wow. That's brutal. I feel bad that you're even here. Uh, (laughs) I'm, uh, (laughs) I'm half here. But we're going to have a good time. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to give people a, a downer note to start on. It's, it's, it's reality. It's life. Everyone has to deal with uh, certain things. But uh, mm-hmm. ultimately, this is our, our forum to chat and catch up on everything, including the latest that Marvel has dropped on us, Way because Black Widow is out. And now the world is complete with the review from one John Pollock, Wei Ting, and WH Park. That is correct.
0: Yes, we have an extra edition of MCU Later that dropped on our Patreon last night with John Pollock joining me and WH Park to talk about Black Widow. It was awesome to be able to get John's takes once again on the MCU. And of course, WH Park has plenty, plenty he was unhappy about with this movie Um, and maybe justified. I mean, uh, he's always justified, of course, but he can say it in his own way
2: that uh we all i I definitely like the film more than him and way you can listen to see where where he lands in between we had we had uh divergent takeaways from the film yeah which is some agreements some disagreements but that's good yes yes
0: yeah i think we were able to arrive at some form of consensus if not maybe a representation of the general view of this film as well we we do talk about the box office as well as uh the very unique release uh um, release pattern i would say or maybe box office pattern of this film where it did really well in the first week and then second week it suffered a massive
2: drop so uh, all of that discussion on mcu later all right check out all of that and quickly looking ahead thursday we will have well thursday night slash friday morning a new post pro res with wh park and myself not chatting about marvel but all things japanese wrestling big weekend ahead and then we've got Rewind to SmackDown on Friday night. Wayne and I will be live at 1015 Eastern, taking calls and chatting week two in front of fans for SmackDown uh, with John Cena. And we'll get into his schedule. There will be a lot of John Cena over the next month. And this weekend, we've got the Wrestle Grand Slam post show, which will be out Sunday, sometime during the day. The show starts at 3 a.m. Eastern, early Sunday morning, and is tentatively headlined by Shingo Takagi and Kota Ibushi. but we can start their way because Kota Ibushi is off the two Osaka cards, one of which is starting in just a couple of hours, and then he's also off Nagoya on Saturday. Uh, New Japan put out a notice that he is suffering from aspiration pneumonia. They stated it has no link to the COVID vaccination. It's not a result of that, and they went so far as to apologize for any misunderstanding. It just seems like they thought that it was a result of the vaccination. It turns out he was dealing uh, with this aspiration pneumonia. He's tested negative for COVID and he is going to be replaced by Honma on these three upcoming cards. And he is to be determined for Sunday's match with Shingo Takagi. So, you know, this is, um, I actually asked our friend, Alex Patel, a bit about uh, aspiration pneumonia. And one thing he pointed out is that it's one of those things where you largely just have to wait it out and I don't know way. Um, I'm not an expert, but it just seems like that that's a tall task. This is not just gut- gutting through a match. This is a main event level match um, that would people are expecting to probably be 30 to 40 minutes. It just seems to me really, I don't need to see this match on Sunday. Me neither.
0: Um, at this point, you're really kind of like <laughs> setting the card up for disappointment, I would say. I think if you're this close to this match, which really is taken on the biggest stage it could possibly take on, uh, I suppose you know, in a limited capacity during this time, um, I think you'd be better off
2: just announcing a replacement and just you know, <laughs> you'd have to offer refunds, but it's not like mm-hmm. like this. You're not allowed to sell tickets because you've already frozen the ticket sales, and I honestly believe that if you did. The angle where Tanahashi has the win over Shingo in January, he's facing Kenta the night before, and it might screw up plans that they were going to go to Shingo and Tanahashi, but you could slide in Tanahashi and Shingo on 24 hours notice, and I think that's a perfectly fine replacement. Like, whatever you have to do, I just... Again, we don't know how significantly he uh, Kotobushi is suffering from this, but... The fact he's off these three shows and then you're going to br- bring him back for just such an ambitious match. It would be one thing if he's in some eight-man tag and you can protect him, limit him. Like This is you know pushing yourself under the best of times for a very highly physical match on Sunday.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, in my opinion, it's completely unnecessary. I would rather not see a man struggle through trying to deliver a 40, 30, 40-minute 40 matchup in the, in the Tokyo Dome. Um, i think you risk the match well i say i would say that you risk the match not being very good but i mean it's kota abushi he's he's a bit of a superhuman so you know even at half capacity i'm sure he'd be able to pull off a great match but still i i just i don't think it's worth playing this sort of wait and see when it comes to such a big match instead i think your suggestion is perfectly acceptable
2: so uh, Sean Ross Sapp at Fightful.com reported today that CM Punk has had talks for an in-ring return with AEW as the most likely landing point. Uh, he did note there is no confirmation of a contract signed, a timetable, or any creative plans, just that Punk and a company official have had ongoing talks about a return to the ring. CM Punk is now 42 years old. Of course, he has not wrestled since January of 2014. So we are talking seven and a half years, uh, just at its base level way. What is your reaction to this story? And, you know, a CM Punk return that I think if you have kind of read the tea leaves with this guy, his opinion of wrestling again has evolved greatly over the last few years to the point that it seems that it's just make me the right offer, uh, this is not a guy who has shut the door as he had in those years right after leaving WWE, WWE where I believe he said like it would be his goal not to go back to WWE. Just the idea of AEW over WWE, is that something significantly more intriguing as a return spot? Yes, absolutely it is. Um, what if he came in and Jeff Hardy rolled him up <laughs> in Chicago and then we tuned in the next week to see what's what's the follow-up going to be
0: sure or he could challenge Bobby Lashley and uh you know lose and perhaps you know move his
2: way back down to um to the ground floor what what uh, what an amazing comparison we have this week of uh Texas baby faces or I, I sh- shouldn't even call Lance Archer a babyface, but we're getting ahead of ourselves back to CM Punk I mean you know it it seems like kind
0: of a a bit of a a relevant conversation but it is actually relevant we see how talents get booked upon their returns in the other company and you see how talents get booked even if they are somebody that like you know isn't necessarily a star they get made into stars and if i'm seeing if i'm any wrestler at this point looking to you know improve my status in the industry be creatively fulfilled i feel like there's only one serious real option and obviously, if you're in Punk's case, maybe the the game is completely different. You know, maybe you're looking at money as your main priority. Um, but I have to imagine for him, I mean, creatively, uh, it, 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 I'm sure, you know, in, in terms of style, in terms of just who could be, he, he could be in the mix with, you know, as a fan, I'm certainly a lot more intrigued to hear his name attached to
2: AEW. Uh, Benno actually brought this up today on Twitter that a couple of months back, I think this was in February, uh, Punk did just some random Q&A on Twitter and was asked about, you know, stars he's watching or or have potential, something to that effect. And he rattled off these AEW names, including Hobbs, Brian Pillman Jr., Jungle Boy, and a few others. And that to me was like a clear sign, this guy's following the product. Maybe he's not watching it every week, but he's certainly familiar with who these names are. And to me, if you're watching AEW with a certain regularity, and you're I just think that's going to speak to a punk that you look at his departure from WWE. I think he very much just painted the entire industry as something that the passion had been beaten out of him, that he wanted to go away. And there was nothing wrong with that. But I think this would be – the like AEW has been around long enough that I think if if this is going to renew something, it's going to be this product that does it as opposed to – Watching WWE every week, and I think looking that, yes, I could go back there. It would be, you know, there there would be a degree of losing some face. I think in in terms of yourself, just internally, and that's all you really have to answer to of going back to WWE. I think mentally, it would be an enormous hurdle after that whole uh, the everything he went with, uh, with 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 Chris Amon, and to go through that um, that that's a tough thing to just move aside and and get past mm-hmm. that. And with with AEW, I think it's just like the the standard in the ring is exceedingly high. He is also going to come in and be such an enormous star that it will be it'll be a huge huge um get for AEW. And we should, you know, caution that, you know, again, as this report says, no contract signed yet, but just the the opportunity to be happy, to be compensated, to just, it seems like AEW would tick all the boxes. Whereas WWE, you're still going in with all of that bad blood and are there going to be games at play? And like just all the stuff that you left this industry for, you are potentially opening yourself up to. And I think with AEW, if, if Punk was skeptical at the beginning, I think the proof has been displayed over two years of what this product is about and why they would absolutely get as much as they could out of CM Punk and not try to play any games or that there's less questions. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You know, beyond perhaps how punk might feel about AEW, I, I always personally feel that AEW has enough reason to not bring punk in, in those, some of those early years, because they have so many people, to establish themselves and you look at the success of aew up until this point they have done that without somebody on the level of a cm punk um they have done a great job of making stars out of no names and you know you have to ask if punk was a part of the equation i'm sure they would have still done the same but it would have ultimately meant maybe one less spot for one of these people they're at the point now where they've established a lot of their original names Um, You know, a a, a CM Punk coming in hopefully will only add to the mix and and elevate everybody else by drawing more attention to the shows themselves. How big of a difference maker do you think Punk would ultimately be if he does uh, come in?
2: There was a time I think you could have looked at how many years it's been. I think if he walks out, it's enormous for them. I think if they did, and this is just like me just throwing out a scenario, If if they did... Pretty much the exact same thing with John Cena, but it's Punk walking out at the end of All Out for that monster pop, and then for three days, you're promoting CM Punk Speaks on Wednesday. Um, you could also do it backwards, too, where he walks out in Chicago on one of the TVs and he speaks at All Out. You could do that, too, and then you're doing the return and the promo in Chicago. I mean, there's there's that advantage. It, to answer your question, very big. I think that it, this would be... Just one of those introductions that what we saw from Sting, that granted it was not something sustained, but there was such an enormous interest when Sting came in that uh, Winter is Coming was outdone by the following week's show because of all that buzz coming off of Sting. I think with Punk, there would be no shortage of amazing ideas to have. There would be the intrigue. But one of the questions I would have would be, like, he's coming in and it would be his promos that need to be top shelf and perhaps it's as easy as getting on a bike for him cutting promos. But we saw like going into that different world of MMA, he was the opposite of Ken Shamrock where Ken was a terrible wrestling promo, but when it was in the MMA world, man, he was fantastic. Punk was the opposite. I mean, he was very much, I am the low man in, in the UFC, I am not going to be cutting wrestling promos because that's what people would expect. And it, it was like not, not the CM Punk character that I think was going to grab a whole lot of wrestling fans just based on, you know, how he was building these fights. This was more about, Hey, I'm just a guy that's trying to live out this crazy goal of fighting in the UFC. It was very different, but his promos would be like, that is what he is going to be graded upon instantly once the just the insane novelty of just punk in a wrestling arena um dies down but it's going to be big if they if they can land him
0: seven and a half years is quite a while to not be not be doing something like this so i i mean you know it wouldn't be surprising if there was a level of mike rust if you want to want to call it that when he does uh finally get to speak but he is one of the best talkers ever in this industry. And I do imagine that it would, if, if there is any mic it would be quickly eroded away because um, he is one of the best. And I think this crowd support will be enough to motivate him. The level of ability in that company on the microphone will be able to elevate him into shape really quickly. Uh, and that, I think, goes as well for his in-ring. You know, again, seven and a half years is a long time. The guy is forty two; has probably taken quite a few bit beatings while training for MMA.
2: Um, but he's probably like, like he has trained shape, all right? this time. Like I'm, I'm sure he's in. You know, th- this is a guy that would, you know. Th- there are no questions about like um, d- doing any kind of uh, damage to your body, uh, drug or alcohol wise. That, of course, is the opposite. So I would, I would say the forty two. It's like th- this guy was physically a mess when he was when he was done with with pro wrestling and he's probably i i would imagine he's pretty good for 42 now but granted like you know mma training that is going to present other problems for you of just that wear and tear week in week out
0: yeah personally i think you know he as far as like his his persona and his microphone ability like i don't think we'll even see any sort of rust at all i think he'll just snap right back into it at the top level and the thing is, he doesn't even have to say much. He could spend the whole first month of his return not saying a thing, simply doing stare downs with every single person on the roster, and this crowd will go crazy every single time. Um, so, you know, I I just I anticipate whatever, like every because he's been away for so long, every matchup is fresh, every single one. You put him against anybody in the industry, like a John Moxley, who's like who he's never really interacted with i I mean that that in itself is is huge um you know uh and let's we're really getting ahead of ourselves i think with with some of this discussion, but it is the top of the 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 news cycle i would say, and everybody everybody wants to play these kind of very speculative games. Well, let's not also forget you know an a j Lee might be eventually a part of this equation as well, you know if she is indeed looking for to to make a comeback, but who knows but anyway there there are just a lot of potentials and a lot of great possibility in that company.
2: Uh so let's go through just a few other things because there's quite a lot to get to uh throughout the body of Fighter Fest tonight. Uh Raw did uh 1,923,000 viewers uh .57 in the demo, which are their best figures uh best viewership since January 22nd, best demo since uh January 15th, and they did 276,000 viewers in Canada, which is a great figure. Um Uh, up here as well. So that was strong. And then NXT last night, uh, these numbers uh, reported by Brandon Thurston, uh, they did 708,000 viewers, which is their second week in a row over 700,000. And last night uh, was going against the the final game of the NBA finals, which uh, went against the second hour. So uh, all in all there, I would say some, some good takeaway numbers for the WWE and the raw number, uh, not hitting the 2 million figure, if that's like kind of your magical number to hit, but still, they're, I believe, this is their third highest of the year. It'd be behind the Legends Night and the night after WrestleMania. So uh, definitely getting a bump post Money in the Bank with Cena back, with fans. And what is the leveling off le- uh, going to be for Raw and SmackDown? Like, live fans are certainly going to be a-, a boost for the immediate future. I mean, it really
0: feels like this would have been the ceiling because I don't know if many people who watch this show would be so hyped about coming back the next week. Um, you know, how's Karrion does... and Cross gonna respond? I don't know. Maybe some people would, uh, but certainly coming off of Money in the Bank with Cena, with live crowds, with Goldberg, uh, you you would expect at least you know it to do as well as it did throughout. But uh, the better question is next week and the week after what what those ratings will look like.
2: Well, they will have uh, John Cena for – they put out his schedule for the summer, the summer of Cena. And he's going to be on every SmackDown going into SummerSlam. So that's uh, five SmackDowns. He's also going to do two episodes of Raw, which include next Monday in Kansas City and then August 9th in Orlando. Plus, he's doing seven of the Super Shows. He's doing Pittsburgh and Louisville this weekend, then Milwaukee and Detroit the following weekend – Fort Myers, Charlotte, and then Columbia, South Carolina. The last date that they are advertising him for is SummerSlam on Saturday, August twenty first. Um I I think you cannot um commend this individual more. The fact that this is a guy that could easily have come back for just a handful of appearances. He could have just done TVs. Uh they have got this guy to really reinvigorate their live event business as as they're back here. Like this is like your best case scenario of what you're going to get from a John Cena at this stage of his life and career to get him for a month with all of these dates.
0: Absolutely. And when you say appearing, I mean, these, presumably he will not be wrestling at these events. I'm sure he's wrestling at the live events.
2: I don't think really? he's coming. At just... these
0: house shows, you think he's going to wrestle? I I would assume so. Yeah. I just imagine like he's at a different place now in his career where every time he gets into that ring a match it's it's that much bigger of a liability that i just don't i personally didn't expect you know him on this run to be able to 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 want to risk that on a on a house show to a small audience but um i mean if once once case, he's
2: committed to doing the match at summerslam i think at that point it's like ring time I, is one thing, I, I just I, mean, I can't imagine like they I think they would have to make it so clear at these live events that he is not wrestling this would be extremely misleading and I, I don't see this guy traveling to all these house shows and not wrestling that he probably wants to be in you know as much ring shape as possible at, at 44 to be ready for what's oh, going to be a, a match that is going to have a lot of anticipation for it in Vegas
0: yeah and you know his style is relatively safe that he can probably get away with like you know going in there and doing his five moves getting the crowd to react and then leaving so uh yeah absolutely unexpected for a guy now who's about to be in several you know who's in the midst of being in several blockbuster films yep uh and i'm sure very appreciated by this audience it's something they should absolutely absolutely publicize as much as they
2: can yeah um so with the return of uh of crowds during tapings were now getting spoilers ahead of time way because cover your I, ears everybody yes cover your ears because you would never guess where they're going for the next uh, takeover special so on Tuesday night they announced that takeover will be Sunday August 22nd the night after SummerSlam and it will be carrion Cross versus Samoa Joe because they were doing the double tapings today for next Tuesday and the week after that, which are going to be airing on Sci-Fi at eight Eastern instead of USA due to the Olympic coverage, but uh, that obviously, based on where this was going, I think this was the match everyone anticipated. If there was any question about Joe's status, there is your answer. And what I don't have an answer for is Monday's booking, which th- there are times way that we will really be puzzled by certain booking decisions, but at the grand scheme of things, you take a look back it's like, is this going to make a massive difference? And maybe this won't, but I really feel Monday that handling, it was just such a message about just like, I really felt like that was just so detrimental. Not that this is like the end of Caring cross the end of NXT, but I really felt that that was one that it really did just summarize. Like, NXT and where it is in the pecking order. And here it is for what is a major match that they are billing for next month with the guy that has been your undefeated champion in singles matches built up for this. Like, honestly, this is as much as NXT is going to get to a dream match scenario with Joe having his first match in a year and a half against Karrion Cross, And th- that's the care that he's being t- Like if you wanted to give the ultimate benefit of the doubt that this idea on Raw, it's this unbelievable idea that just no one sees coming. It's it's amazing what we have planned for Karrion Cross after this loss to Jeff Hardy. It's just the lack of care for TakeOver that we're going to do this this week in this fashion and pin him in that way. And I don't know. I just looked at at as one that that is one that is definitely going to stick with people um, beyond just a one night frustration over the handling of a character or scenario.
0: Yes. Yes. I mean, sort of Kieran cross on the same show next week, destroying Jeff Hardy and then beating Bobby Lashley for the WWE world championship. You're not going to be able to justify what you did to that, that guy on the biggest stage of his life in his debut on the main roster. Um, And unfortunately, as maybe divorce sometimes as Raw and NXT might be, uh, it certainly had a I would say a big effect on I think the conversation going into NXT last night. It was the big elephant in the room that they briefly mentioned. Um, but you know, his field it, trip on Raw, it's taken so much luster out of what would otherwise be a massive return for Samoa Joe that I think they've done a really good job of you know teasing but not giving it to you. This announcement really should be dominating some of the news cycle today, but it's been lost. It's like fourth in our news pack right now, off of rumors of CM Punk coming back and you know, who knows what else. It's just it's it, it's just not as big of a match anymore, and I completely place that blame on, on his booking on Monday.
2: Yeah, and I think it's just um, – it's it's a frustration that, that you watch. Like if you are an NXT viewer, if you're a WWE viewer, I think at your core, you you have the direct comparison right now. And it's just – like you watch AEW and you can see something like a Lance Archer where tonight tonight's show was built around Archer and where they were. Like this was strategically booked to be in Texas where this title – change was going to have maximum impact and so much of this show is about making new stars it's always about making new stars and that's so exciting it's not like everyone is going to be a hit that everyone's going to connect there's going to be fumbles along the way but you can see what the intent is and when you watch something like a carrion cross it just feels that your audience wants to see all of these things succeed and it's just such a – you are creating the the negative that you have to overcome to get back to square one instead of just starting from the jump that we've got this undefeated monster who is coming to Raw. Like that should be an exciting thing right off the bat and instead it's we have to establish him at this level and now he has to overcome this to get back to where we were prior to this loss. Beyond the
0: fact that it's, you know, uh, like a very talented person who does have main event potential in carrying Cross, it's the fact that he is the NXT champion that is the most bothersome thing here because he is a representative of this entire show. He is supposed to theoretically be the best of that entire roster. He holds the item that every single person on that roster is trying to chase. And to diminish all of that in one go, as somebody who is, you know, beneath Jeff Hardy. Yes, even even though Jeff Hardy cheated, a champion should not be losing. Period. You know, he let a cheating Jeff Hardy beat him. To me, that's still just as foolish, you know, of of an act as losing to Jeff Hardy straight up clean. Uh, it's the fact that he is the champion that is the toughest thing to take here. If Cross had lost the belt to say Johnny Gargano the the, the week before. Came on Monday and then lost. It would have still been really disappointing, but like it wouldn't have stung so much. It wouldn't have made the entire show on Tuesday feel like like that much flatter because everybody's fighting for you know a pretty like a paperweight basically. Uh, so it, it really disappointing, and I just don't see any justification
2: for it. It's it's also that like Carrion Cross, you know, under the best of circumstances, was this guy going to be a top star? I don't know. Like Carrion Cross, like has. You know, a great presentation. They were very careful with him in NXT. But, I mean, he's got his negatives, too, attached to it. But you look at him, and it would be one thing if they plucked Kyle O'Reilly and put him in that scenario. Uh, one where I think you, you could see that maybe they are just going to not handle this guy great. Karrion Cross, to me, is sort of your template of someone that you would think can make that migration to the main roster and be very impressive but they stripped him down even before the match it's the loss of scarlet it's it's just all these things that were done to make him stand out in NXT it's like all of that was stripped down and it's not it's not character enhancement it's it's bringing him down and overcome all these limitations we've placed on you from step 1 mhm so we wait to see what they do with him on Monday. Like, what is their
0: brilliant follow up to this thing? I really, I really, really need to see it. Okay, um, but beyond a concert, that, uh, with him singing, yes, he's gonna sing the theme instead of Scarlet. Yes, he's gonna okay. sing "Fallen Prey" <laughs> with dubstep. Oh, can't wait. Um, it's gonna be weird these next few weeks. I I imagine you'll continue to see a lot more diversion between. WWE Raw and NXT, um, they're gonna be telling one story on one show, and on the other show it'll be a completely different. So
2: more field trips for Karrion Cross, I suppose, in the coming weeks. Um anything else that jumped out from you? We had in the main event uh Raquel Gonzalez uh defeating Zia Lee, but this was our um a second match with Zia Lee uh over the past month that uh, you know, this unfortunately this was Zia Lee appearing to get hurt after Kind of like the setup for a Vader bomb, but then Raquel twisted and kind of landed like with a senton coming down, and they were checking the on Zaya. And then went right to the finish afterwards, uh, Fightful reporting after that she appeared to be okay in the back uh, and not heard anything beyond that. But hopefully uh, this was nothing too serious, but it was c- kind of just a an awkward way that they had to end this, uh, but enough that they felt comfortable going to a finish.
0: Yeah, you never really want to see, you know, these sort of live uh, occurrences in a match. Um, You know, hopefully she's okay. Uh, It's a very young career and already in her time on TV, um, two incidents. And this one, I wouldn't say any fault of hers. So I hope it, it doesn't reflect poorly on her.
2: And they announced next week Adam Cole against Bronson Reed, Pete Dunne and Oni Lorcan against Thatcher and Ciampa, and Carmelo Hayes against Josh Briggs in the breakout tournament. And again, they've taped uh, today, uh, next week, and the following week. So those are already there. And probably most of the takeover card should be put together because they they only have a month to uh, build this up. So all of your news can be found at postwrestling.com. A lot of great stuff uh, put up today by... Andrew Thompson, so go check that out on Mm -hmm. the website. And tonight, we go to Garland, Texas at the Curtis Caldwell Center. And way, my my good luck just kept going because I sat down at 8.15. My DVR was not recording Dynamite, so I missed the first 15 minutes of the show uh, and picked things up as... Sean Spears was in the midst of going to use his chair. So uh, was there anything significant uh, off the top that I missed? I missed the entrances and the first half of this match.
0: Honestly, not really. They started right with um, the entrances here. They announced the stipulation of the match. crowd sounded amazing. amazing. I'm sure for for Jericho, it was through the roof. 6,000 fans, according to WrestleTix. Uh, So very healthy crowd. You know, um, MJF was on commentary for this, and he made a dig at Jericho... Uh, even though that's called the labor of Jericho, he made a dig about um, this is, doesn't mean Jericho is in labor, even though it might look like he is. So, you know, uh, fans were really with Jericho. You didn't miss a whole
2: lot. Yeah, well, where, where it picked up was Spears had the chair raised. And of course, Spears was allowed to use the chair. Jericho could not. And Jericho stops him and applies the walls to this thunderous roar. And Tully Blanchard gets on the on the apron, distracting Aubrey Edwards, Jericho uh, has the walls still applied and Spears taps. Sammy Guevara comes down. Dude, this dude is so popular right now. They're going nuts for Sammy. He yanks Tully, ducks a punch, and gets rid of him. Spears lands a chair shot to get free of the walls and hits the C4 for a big near fall. Then tries one using the chair. It's countered. Spears gets thrown into the corner where there's a chair set up into a Judas effect. And Jericho wins to the big pop. So... Um yeah this this sounded like this crowd loved
0: this. It was well first of all it was an amazing crowd the entire night. They elevated yeah. everything, but especially when it comes to the superstars, when it comes to Chris Jericho, they loved everything he did. Uh and it's been a lot of fun watching Jericho work as a babyface again. He pulled off a beautiful looking top rope Frankenstein hair that just looked like it, exactly like the way it did from his cruiserweight days. Everything he was doing was very effective. Sammy's run-in received an insane reaction. And man, it's just like, it's so great to have these crowds back because you could see who who are truly stars to these live audiences. It's Sammy's stock has grown so much, you know, since that the, the start of the pandemic era. So, man, he was great. Um, Spears, I thought, you know, was a really solid first obstacle for Jericho to overcome.
2: But, I mean, the talk coming out of this will be, of course, the stipulation for next week. That's right, because MJF announces that if anyone else comes out to help Jericho throughout these labors, the deal's off and you won't get a match with me. And labor number two is a no-DQ match next week against the most sadistic man in the industry. Someone who stabbed a man in the jugular and robbed a bank without a mask. I loved how slow he let these words come out where this... I, I liked a lot of this for several reasons. Number one is that I think everyone just assumed that by starting with Spears, he's just going to go through the pinnacle. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you get like the most left field of choices as he reveals that Nick Gage is going to wrestle Chris Jericho on national television next week. And my God, is this how you make an announcement for people to be excited next week? This was tremendous
0: to some people. This topped the CM Punk rumors today, you know, Nick Gage being a part of AEW, not necessarily full-time, but at least have, I mean, Nick Gage being on national TV, I think is big news. Nick Gage having a match with Chris Jericho is massive news. In a match like this happening like out of nowhere, completely cold without any prior mention of Nick Gage on this television show, nothing
2: like this would ever happen in any And the promotion. reaction he got way. Like oh. this audience went nuts for a guy that has never been on national television save for the Dark Side of the Ring episode.
0: Yes, yes. You know, it it, it would never happen in any professional wrestling promotion on national TV except for an AEW and their reverence for their diehard fan base. They are a a promotion that, you know, really caters to that underground fan. And some might say that's for better or for worse. In this case, to this live audience, it was absolutely for the better. They loved this uh, announcement. They reacted huge for it. Nick Gage, to me, is another Eddie Kingston. Maybe even more so. You know, a guy who can come out from, uh, from, from out of nowhere... And be immediately treated as a superstar. Just coming from the underground. So, you know, he's of course going to be a massive babyface. I think immediately if he ends up being a full-time guy. He is going to be one of the top babyfaces in this company. Um, coming in under MJF. I feel like we can safely predict that. He is going to somehow turn on MJF at the end of it. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, I I, I feel like if, if this is the first step. I feel like he's as good as in in AEW, barring any any other i don't know complications or whatever can he can I cross the border if if they do cross the border eventually
2: um uh, that will be a question for another day i guess yeah that would be that could be an issue but i mean they don't have any dates scheduled uh, outside of the u.s so they're good for now i know it's the biggest match that the company has ever promoted but i I would really make a play that I think Moxley and Gage should be at All Out and not a Game Changer show. Like it's Even if it happens a
0: Game Changer, like it's still fresh for All Out. It's 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 such a smaller audience when you're talking about Game
2: Changer. Like it's a big match for Game Changer. Like it's the biggest match that they can they can advertise and deliver. But that to me is like that match happening at All Out would be enormous and I just I'm with you. Like I think Nick Gage is going to be so welcomed and this unbelievable babyface reception that he is going to going to get that I just can't imagine this being a one and done with him uh no, that the audience not. is going to just want to see so many more matches with this guy.
0: He, I would say, is like, he feels like he's one of those names that, that has remained on the underground unsigned by a major promotion that, you know, really, I feel like is a sure thing. I think, like, the Eddie Kingston experiment has been signed enough that there are certain names that are out there that can immediately walk onto AEW and be a, perceived as a main eventer, to be put into a match against the Chris Jericho, and people will immediately react to it. Nick Gage was at the top of that list. But you look at, like, what he's doing right now with Matt Cardona. You could put Nick Gage against anybody on that. Which is this weekend, by
2: the way, that match.
0: Yes. You could put him against anybody on that AEW roster and it'll be an attractive match because it's going to be unpredictable because it's Nick Gage. I hope that they don't
2: overuse him because he has. No, he should be an attraction. He should be an attraction. Yes. Yeah. Um, Which is one of the things that like with this roster for all we say about how, how packed this roster is, like it doesn't have that reliance on someone wrestling every single week. Like you can space out a lot of stuff with this roster. And I think it's like, I really feel Tony Khan is going with kind of like the game of Thrones theory of like, you have all these characters that are attached in this world, but Mm -hmm. you can, you can insert people and strategically, you know, have all those pieces on the, on the chessboard, but you don't have to have representation by every individual individual. On a weekly basis, you can you can weave people in and out, and i I have got to say that I think they're doing a pretty good job with this with such a an enormous roster that I'm not as convinced as this um, detriment as we might have viewed it at a time months ago. It's like turning on like you know a, a marvelous show,
0: and it's like you know this character from this other show comes onto this show. It's got that same sort of big universe feeling. That, you know, the world of, of AEW is bigger than what you just see on, on its on its screen. Uh, and that's wonderfully exciting. The fact that they get to retain their identities and their names straight out of, you know, GCW or any other show. It's, it's pretty wild, honestly, when you sit back and think about it. Like, the, the amount of people that are in play in this universe. Like, we have... And really, in wrestling in general, outside of the WWE, we have Bullet Club members now on Impact and A- A- AEW. Um... We have just everybody kind of intermingling and mixing, and it's unpredictable, and it's awesome.
2: Miro did a video stating, there were many champions before me, but there will be none after. He's defending his title at Homecoming on August 4th at Daly's place. He is God's favorite champion, but we don't know who he will defend it against.
0: It's interesting that they've chosen... Like um, this kind of labors of Jericho to introduce somebody like Nick Cage because I think a role like that would be traditionally saved for like a TNT Tuttle challenge, right? Against a guy like Miro, but um, maybe they have different types of plans for Miro's TNT Tuttle run. He's not necessarily doing like an open challenge to everybody type of thing, and you know, inevitably um, the booking will probably have to result in Miro winning. Um, Not to say Nick Cage would beat Jericho at all, but. Yeah, it's just interesting to
2: see them like kind of play around with, you know, yeah. a chip like that. You've also brought up the fact that the these future like labors, the expectations are going to go through the roof now. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be, I like I don't think you can just snap back and go to Wardlow week three. Um, yeah, but it's it's going to be really tough to pull off something to the level of a of a Nick Gage. Um, that's that's a pretty big one to to pull out at number two. Do you think they they would have been surprised by his reaction tonight? No, no. I, I, I was not so surprised by it either. Um, yeah. I think that, that that really does show you the, um, you know, that, that Nick Gage has that even at a, at a base level, I think there's an understanding. And maybe it's through the, the Arquette stuff that there's at least a, a knowledge of who Nick Gage is between Dark Side of the Ring and the Arquette publicity from a few years ago. Got Gallows against Frankie Kazarian. Gallows and Anderson came out with the impact tag titles. They won over the weekend, and they promoted that over 15,000 tickets have been sold to Arthur Ashe Stadium, but they do note we are not sold out. There are still tickets left. Keep buying them. Yeah. What do you think the ceiling is for for that show? Well, the the story was that they could, they had a configuration for like 16 or so, but they could go up to 19 if they need to. Okay. So it would mm. seem like if there's, The fact they've sold 15 already without a card, without like, like going to the show. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Does he have tickets? I think so. All right. Gallows is in control. They went through the, the break and then Kazarian leg drops Anderson through the rope, the rope and then turns into a head kick and is hit with the Gallows pole in six minutes and 28 seconds. Uh, Gallows getting the the victory and he the calls magic. Calls the match the gallows pole. The gallows pole. The choke bomb. Like P O L E. Yes. Yes. This what is, is that a survey. Mean? Well, what do you think it's supposed to mean, way Okay, fine.
0: Yeah, I guess I should have expected for, from a guy who makes nonstop boner jokes. Um, all right. <laughs> the match was kind of there. Uh, I I was expecting a bigger comeback for Kaz. He, They just kind of killed him off here. You know, for a guy who I would say has been building up some decent steam coming in for some pretty hot run-ins, um, he just kind of felt like a bit of an afterthought. But maybe that was done for as a sacrifice to bolster the elite ahead of, ahead
2: of this page stuff. I think that's what they're doing. I just think that they're having the elite run roughshod over over everyone. And there there are going to be sacrificial lambs in, in this. And that's kind of how it felt like. Not, not a match that really um, stuck in my memory by the end of this show.
0: Okay, Kate in the chat is telling me that gallows pole is an actual item, like a uh, part of a a hangman's noose. So it's well, a there. Real thing.
2: You just put your mind in the gutter and took like, us all there with you. you oh, I'm sorry. Uh, gallows pole. Okay, you learn something new from wrestling every day. Kenny, Omega, and Don Callis come out and announce that this is what happens when you mess with the elite. Omega. Tells Kazarian he's been a thorn in their side. And out comes Hangman Page with his beer to attack Gallows and Anderson while Omega and Callus just flee the scene. Dark Order's out. It ends with a buckshot lariat on H- Anderson. And then John Silver hands Page back his beer. Worked really well today, too. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a retread of last week, but got over. Like The crowd reacted in a big way. Um, but this was sort of just... You wanted a presence of the two factions before they have the elimination match, which will be next week. So, you know, one of my first reactions when it came
0: to the CM Punk stuff is the fact that if it is going to take place in Chicago, how do you make sure that coming out of the show, the talk of the show is still going to be Hangman Page and that he won't be overshadowed by all that other stuff?
2: I mean, there's there's no guarantee. Like, if if the show ends with Punk, that's going to be the story at the end of All Out. And yeah. again, like, there's no like it's a very interesting way. Like, if they sign him, what is the best way to introduce him? Do you do you advertise him for TV and get an enormous number, but save something for like he comes out in Chicago on TV and then the pay per view he's going to explain what he's here for and you could put that in the middle of the show and page still gets his crowning moment but you know punk cuts a big promo in the middle of the show or starts the show or however you want to use him like there but if you go off the air with punk like that is your headline that is the top story i think even if you have punk in the
0: middle of the show i feel like that's still the headline that's still the top story it might be you know, un Unless they have Punk pair, pair, we're getting way ahead of ourselves, everybody. Okay, but it's fun to speculate, so we are. Unless they pair Punk with Paige to keep Paige in the spotlight while putting Punk's name in there as well. But, you know, I mean, there there are several ways they could slice it, I suppose.
2: Then we had Dasha backstage with uh, Brian Cage, and they go to a promo from earlier in the day with Team Taz. And Ricky Starks is going to have the biggest celebration in entertainment history next week in Charlotte. And Brian Cage loves celebration. So championship celebrations. I can't get enough of these. There are just, you win a title, you celebrate. You wait two weeks and you celebrate. Yeah, yeah. You, you need a week off to prepare. You, you know this way about planning a big celebration. Yeah.
0: It takes time.
2: Yeah. Restrictions, you know,
0: like you got to get the floral arrangements. I mean, it's going to be a big party next week.
2: Wheeler Utah was back this week alongside Orange Cassidy with him in his corner against Darby Allen, who was backed up by Sting. And was he backed up? Darby's ribs are taped from the coffin drop last week in the match with Ethan Page. No Ethan Page. So he was uh, selling the Good. effects of the, tombstone, the, the coffin.
0: The man was put into a coffin and then coffin dropped deeper into that coffin. Yeah, I don't think he should be showing up uh, the next week. They
2: showed Hikuleo in the audience. He was just taking in the show. Mm-hmm. Utah... What, what, what should he be doing? Should have just been walking around? I don't know. Did he Did he have a ticket? Like, what was the... Uh, how did he get this seat? This was, uh, uh, this was a pretty hot access. ticket in Texas. Uh, VIP access, I'm sure. Uh, Utah did this bridge out of a pin, and then Darby just hooked the arms and immediately used this crucifix. Uh, there was a superplex by Darby and his ribs are hurt and we go to the floor and Orange Cassidy and Sting have a face off. The hands go in the pockets and then Sting and Orange Cassidy exchange the light kicks. They then do their light super kick and then Sting <laughs> beats his chest <laughs> in the most comedic fashion. This this moment, this thirty eight seconds, uh is probably gonna be the most shared thing out of this show.
1: This uh, engage, uh, I think, with yeah. the big
2: the big uh viral moments of the show. Uh audience love this. I Online love this. and in the arena. Yeah, I
0: I couldn't have pictured a better mixing of past and present generations than this p- specific scene of Orange Cassidy interacting with Sting and Sting doing the the laziest chest beats in his entire career. I'm loving whenever Sting is able to show a sense of humor. There's something about like a guy who appears in like crow face paint coming out with that serious music with a baseball bat and Showing that personality behind it all um, and not taking it so seriously sting has really found like a great place amongst this very
2: young roster. He's dad. He's just dad trying to hang out but, with the kids. But he's cool dad. You know, like he can. He's, he's not actually, quite cool dad. He wants he to be cool dad.
0: And that makes him endearing dad. No, he is cool dad. Cause he gets all the jokes. He is in on it. You know, like he's like, yeah, he drives Darby to, to work. But you know, when Darby says, dad, stay, stay home. Uh, don't, don't, don't come to, to, to the soccer game today. He stays home. He's like, he has enough trust in the guy. He, um, he's, he breaks windows when the kids break the windows it's Eugene with Levy from American Pie.
2: No, he's way cooler than Eugene Levy. No, I think that's a pretty good comparison. Mm. All right. <laughs> Darby is distracted by all of this. They trade Crucifix, and then Darby hits the Stunner and Coffin Drop for the win in 422. Uh, both weeks, I've been. I, I think that Wheeler Yuda has done a very good job in these matches. Um, you know, Darby's a great opponent to have, but this was a pretty entertaining uh, four minutes and twenty-two seconds of a presentation. Because I want to include Cassidy and Sting in all of this, but um, yeah, I, I don't think Yuda got overshadowed in any of this, and it e- very easily he could have with all that was going on here and being a showcase for Darby to rehabilitate himself. Like the Wheeler Yuda has done very well
0: i agree you know even though storyline wise there's really nothing attached to yuda coming out of this this is the type of promotion the, of the uh, the type of promotion where fans are actually paying attention to the matches and they appreciate quality of in-ring work which yuda has been able to display these past two weeks so you know he just has to do this repeatedly perform at this consistent level and i feel like the fans will already be you know uh uh, ready to accept a, a bigger story for him. I will say though, like there was one point here where Jim Ross called out, like, "Hey, I don't know why Yuta and Orange Cassidy are, are together." And usually, like sometimes people would criticize JR for like calling out, like identifying something that doesn't necessarily help the show. In this case, I absolutely agree with JR because they've never explained on Dynamite why these two are together. And so Excalibur had to say here that, yeah, Yuda is the protege of Orange Cassidy. Like these are things that we. At least if you're watching Dynamite, you wouldn't be aware of. So I do feel like there are some things like that that do require them catching the audience up on.
2: The Blade then jumped Orange Cassidy with the brass knuckles because uh, they are scheduled for a match later in the show. And they did a history of Lance Archer and John Moxley complete with footage of their Wrestle Kingdom match from last year and the two cutting promos on one another, which will be in the main event slot tonight. Because next was Britt Baker and Nyla Rose for the Women's Championship. This was a very interesting match to watch as it uh, progressed. Uh, yeah, early on. You know
0: what? I, like We talked last week about like whether or not the IWGP uh, US title match would main event. Or this would match would main event. There's no way this would have been able to main event above the US title match.
2: No. and And again, what also goes into that is... Also, what what do you have planned? Uh, you know, once you see the layout of all of this, I mean, very easy. But, you know, thinking about it, like, this was definitely the right call, I, I think, to put the death match on last uh, for many reasons. Um, listen, the first half of this match, I thought these two really struggled. It was, they were very off. Uh, I thought they got into way too much of a reliance on just near falls and... It's great when near falls intensify the audience with the reactions being hotter and hotter. When they're going down, it's the opposite effect. And it was just, it just seemed like they were, there was this very sloppy crucifix bomb by Baker. And like the match, just to me, it was not clicking. And then they did the Guerrero spots where first Britt threw the belt to Nyla with the ref's back turned and went down on her back. But then Nyla sent it back to Britt, and she gets caught. The audience loved this, and it led to a beast bomb where I... And they're doing it all in front of Vicky as well. Right. You have Vicky at ringside, yes, who I I guess has coached Nyla the art of um, throwing a belt back. You don't have to hold on to the belt if she throws it at you. It's not glued. You can throw it back. All those Van Damminators that Van Dam delivered, the guy didn't have to hold that chair. He could have thrown it back. So... She hits the beast bomb. And I think like this audience, this was the first time they actually believed, Oh my God, she's going to lose this belt. She'll win it back in Pittsburgh. No, it's a near fall, but they totally bid on this near fall. And then Baker is able to roll over and get the lock jaw. And dude, the place exploded for the submission. So by the end, they had this crowd, but they had quite the journey to get there. It went 12 minutes and seven seconds. Um, but, I mean, great reaction for the, the, the final minute or so.
0: See, I, I, I agree that uh, there there was maybe a little bit of sloppiness in there. It was, I think, maybe far from the perfect technical match. But I thought the crowd was reacting pretty strong for the entire thing. And, and for me, maybe that hit a lot of maybe some of the other errors that, that were in here. I found the match, like, thoroughly entertaining. I thought the crowd was fully engaged throughout it. I was impressed by Nyla's confidence and comfortability, and you know Britt. Yeah, again, maybe not a perfect match from her, but she is, she, she's so over that the crowd is going to excuse maybe a lot of imperfection. So I, I thought it was like a strong first title title win, but I also understand if you know some of the 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 tripping up got got in the way of your enjoyment.
2: No, I I don't want to paint this like th- that like this was uh, bad. I, I thought there were elements of it that just they, they just did not seem to be uh, clicking all that well. Um, but I mean, they they certainly had like you could see what like what they had structured out here, and it was just varying degrees of success that they had towards this. But there was there were some moments on this where I thought they were they were losing this audience because they did start off like super behind Baker, and I think wanting to be really into this match. And it just seemed like they did recover and it ended strong. So I think like by, by the end of it, they got to where they needed to be. Uh, that said, um, with Baker, I, I really hope they have something big planned for her for those Pittsburgh shows, uh, which are several weeks away. But those are uh, to me, I think that's a bigger series of shows than even what her all out program is like. She is going to be the biggest superstar, especially that first show, the uh, the dynamite that's in Pittsburgh.
0: As far as names, like who could you see her facing on those shows? Well
2: that's the thing. It's um they well, a lot of people they they are brought back. back uh you, you know, Sakazaki, you brought back like Reho's Sakazaki, Riho, um you know, you have people there. Um uh-huh. Sakazaki just beat Penelope Ford last week, so you you've kinda just reintroduced her with, with a win. Mm-hmm. I mean Deeb and Thunder Rosa, I'm sure they could get if
0: they wanted to. Right. Um yeah, you know, I'm sure no shortage of, uh, you know, people for her.
2: There was a press conference hosted by Tony Schiavone, who's got to be the busiest man doing all these segments. Next week, it's Santana and Ortiz against FTR. Dax says that they aren't that different. We respect you as wrestlers, but not as men. Ortiz says we've been here since day one. You're just a pit stop until we get back and go for the belts. Santana brings out pictures, one of his mother. At 15, after having him, the next photo of their shithole apartment in the Bronx. And then another where his mother had to take slumlords to court for a decent place to live. And then all got up yelling. Dax didn't have any photos to counter this this argument with. So I think Santana won this one. Uh, and that's the match. Finally, we're getting it next week. In Charlotte, too. I'm sure there
0: was like a really good press conference when they were shooting this live. This was so chopped up and so condensed into like, what, this like 60 to 90 second segment that I really got nothing out of it beyond some of the visuals here. I just don't know why you would do something like this at all, rather than just maybe a quick promo from each person. If you're not going to dedicate the appropriate amount of airtime to it, um, it just felt like, hey, like... Here are my props to try to get people to, you know, understand like a very deep story. And you just can't convey this sort of thing in such a small amount of time. So I I do feel like still one of the big drawbacks of this nonstop pace of AEW Dynamite is like we go right from Brit's pinfall. No time to digest or like cool down from that win. And then right into like the heavy tone of this press conference, essentially like joint in progress where the participants are like talking about poverty And quickly, you just cut right to commercial after that. So I ultimately found it pretty ineffective when I thought there was a lot of potential to it.
2: Shivani is is teleported to the ring, and he brings out Andrade with his assistant, who has no name yet. And they have a surprise. And Tony introduces us. He is alerted on an iPad. So does that make Andrade a babyface?
0: You know, if they went through Apple to clear usage of the, of the Apple product, then perhaps.
2: Andrade has a new executive consultant. Chavo Guerrero Jr. And listen, Chavo came out. This place was pretty amped for Chavo Guerrero that I would not have predicted. I mean, it's Texas. It is. Yes. Um, Th- this crowd, like, they...
0: I'm trying to think who they wouldn't go crazy for, okay? They would have gone crazy for, like,
2: Hornswoggle. Dude, when when Abrahantus came out here and said, Penta says, they went nuts. Like, dude, this crowd was like, oh my god, Hardcore Holly is going to be the executive consultant?
0: (laughs) They would have went nuts for Hardcore Holly. Are you kidding me? Like, it could have been anybody. It could have been, like, um, you know... Duke
2: Drossy, like it went crazy. Like, (laughs) how? Let me ask you this, okay? If I were to ask you, who we're gonna give Andrade a new, a new manager? Yeah. How deep on your list of people you would want is Chavo Guerrero Jr.? Is he in your top fifty? No,
0: because I just he's not on my radar because he has been so removed from sort of like wrestling conversation, or at least like this context of wrestling conversation for such a long time. But seeing him here, I thought it was a, I thought it was a great choice. You know, number one, you don't embarrass Vicky by essentially kind of writing her off. You can essentially say, okay, we're keeping in the family. I'm passing it off to you. Chavo Vicky saves face. A still attached to, to, to him and Chavo sounds good. You know, like he can promo. He can probably take bumps too. If you
2: need, you're not a fan i'm the jury's out i i want to see this guy like chavo to me like entertaining character at different parts of his career um i'm looking at it that and granted maybe there are just extenuating circumstances that he can't be around but to me conan was the guy uh and if we were going to pivot to a new name he was staring you right in the face so to me chavo is going to have to be excellent in this role and if he's great believe me i will i will totally be on board and say hey this guy was a great choice but uh i'm gonna gonna be different it'll be different from conan he's never been in this role so it's we'll, we'll see we'll see is this guy going to be like a main event level uh promo for this guy that they have you know presented as having that ability and of which Conan would make this a main event act. So that's kind of like what your comparison point is. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. He put over Chavo, put over all the talent, in AEW, but no one has as much as Andrade and they get interrupted by the reunited death triangle pack Phoenix and Penta all out here along with uh, Alex Abrahantis. It's and really the death square now with Alex Abrahantus. It really is. Yes. Yes. Uh, Andrade says, I'm a big superstar. And then Chavo translates for Pac, who note he notes, you only speak one language. And said his waist is shiny, but it should be shinier. Pac then says that Penta and Phoenix don't work for me. We are a family. And Phoenix says, we are the real fans of the Latinos. And this is where Abrahantis does the translation for Penta. Crowd was into it. The, the, the real face of the Latinos. The face of their latinos and you're not even on our level and andrade says everyone works for him and they just did this pull apart here they were very much teasing that these guys were going to turn on pack but instead we just got the pull apart that seems to be the story right it's it's andrade
0: trying to pull pack or sorry trying to pull uh, a penta, penta and, and phoenix, phoenix away away yeah um and you know maybe I don't know maybe ultimately that'll happen but I hope they don't break up the death triangle I think they've really kind of yet to have that big story they've really yet to like you know reach their potential as as a trip triple um, as a three-man team I would say um, I was not a fan of Andrade in this you know like I know like he is working a lot on his English promo and he he wants to use it as much as he can, but it is far from T V ready for the amount of mic time that he is giving. He has been given. Um like it almost felt like he was he he grabbed the microphone and he just kept going on and on and then it was almost like Chavo
2: being like Ch- Chavo was like like it, it begged the question like what is the function of Chavo if Andrade is going to do all the talking, all the talking. That's exactly.
0: what he did here. Like, and that cho- shouldn't shouldn't be the case. I think you have Andrade there for his presence. Of course, he is the ultimately. He is the star. He says a few words that he sounds cool saying. It's not enough to be able to speak English. You have to sound cool speaking it. You know, and 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 that's just a different barrier that he needs time to reach, and he's not ready for that right now. Especially in AEW, where the level is is so so high. So I I I hope they learn from this because like. It, there were a time at times where like Andrade speaking just unfortunately sounded awkward. He was talking a bit too much. And I feel like it just ended the segment flat. So, um, you know, it's it's well and good to like have the man get that practice. But I hope they do it. I mean, Dark would be a perfect place, honestly. Like that's where you get your, your developmental. Have a guy come out, cut a promo to the crowd and, you know, like get your practice that way. But when it comes to TV, I, I hope they leave most of it to travel from this point.
2: Earlier in the night, the Hardy family office was confronted by Marco Stunt, the rest of Jurassic Express got involved, and in Christian chased them off. So Cage, Luchasaurus, and Jungle Boy lay out the challenge against Angelico and Private Party next week, and Cage wants to end the Hardy family office forever. We'll see. Alex Marvez interviewed the factory, and he was worried about a protein drink being poured on him and asked QT if he should owe Tony an apology. QT said, yes, I will apologize to him next week. These guys just, you know, unfortunately at this point, just come
0: across as like bottom tier villains, you know, like on the level of like a, like some of the lower ranked Hardy front office dudes Uh, ever since that QT loss and the lack of follow-up,
2: like, you know, it's, it's just not felt big. I can promise you this, that whatever the audience is for tonight's episode of Dynamite, there will be absolutely zero, zero statements made by a fan of AEW who's going to call up or text his buddy and say, hey, four more days till we find out if Tony's going to get his apology. What do you think? Think QT's going to (laughs) apologize? I think he's going to get the protein drink again. Yeah, me too. I can't wait. I can't I can't bear it not a second time. Nobody is going to talk about this for the next 7 days. Not every segment is going to be like a home run
0: on, on these shows, but man, like
2: Why couldn't this be the 7th inning stretch? Couldn't we just like, you know, why don't we just do crowd shots? Be like, "Hey, look at all these people here. Look at these people came from Philadelphia." Yeah. That dude's from Baltimore. Crazy crowd. We will be back with Orange Cassidy and the blade. I don't need an angle in every single last minute of this show. I don't need Tony Schiavone in an angle with a protein drink with QT Marshall.
0: Well, obviously it's, it's set up whatever, I don't know the nightmare. What is it? The factory's got coming up next. Um, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, Britt Baker, it's gotta be Britt. Britt comes
2: to his, uh, Tony's defense. Maybe you'll do QT against Britt in Pittsburgh.
0: And she should destroy him.
2: Orange Cassidy against the Blade. Blade comes out and he's got his back towards Cassidy because he doesn't think Cassidy is coming because the brass knuckles had uh, taken him out earlier. So apparently the Blade also has uh, ear damage because he couldn't hear the man's theme as he came out. No, no. He's saying... Well, he... Because
0: cuz he had his back Cassidy, towards
2: him and wanted to be declared the winner because he thought Cassidy wasn't going to
0: come the theme was playing he assumed that Cassidy wasn't going to make it out he, was, he assumed Cassidy was stuck in the back if i
2: if i was in the Cassidy, ring and your music
0: started playing i would turn around and double check to see if you but coming. Cassidy didn't come down the ramp Cassidy, Cassidy came through the crowd
2: okay so why 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 did he have his back away from from the entrance he wasn't even looking
0: i think he was i think he was glancing at the entrance and then he glanced he was like oh, okay he assumed that he wasn't making it out
2: all right okay you can have this one <laughs> so the match begins blade fakes a knee injury but he's just playing possum and attacks he gets hit with a stun dog millionaire and then uses a gut wrench bomb sending cassidy to the floor they come back after the break and Cassidy makes his comeback, the bunny gets involved, gets stopped by Statlander, and then Cassidy does a dive to the floor and nails Statlander. Cassidy then shoves the blade into the bunny, and we get the quote, she dropped her ears. I thought maybe there was a face swap here. But the ears were preserved. Yes. Yes. Blade hits a tombstone for a two count. And then Cassidy is selling his back, but it's still able to hit the beach break. He can't immediately go for the cover. So there's a kick out. Bunny tosses the brass knuckles and dude, Blade had to just dive for these things. They, this was like, uh, it was like these things were on well, ice pitch. or something. Yeah. Uh He gets them, misses with the knucks and gets hit with the orange punch. And Cassidy wins. 845. Um,
0: Yeah, I thought it was a good match. Obviously made better with the crowd's connection to Orange Cassidy. I thought there was a bit too much interference here, though, from Bunny and and even from Statlander. But um, I thought, like, Blade looked pretty good. You know, he's a pretty consistent part of these shows and I think has, like, a very devastating style. That gut wrench bomb into the corner turnbuckle looked amazing. And uh, it looks like Orange Cassidy is keeping these brass knuckles.
2: Yeah, because he, he laid out the blade with the with an orange punch with the brass knuckles after. So, are we going to get Orange Cassidy against Sting?
0: Oh, man. I think they should only wrestle in slow motion. Like, they should only do a lazy match. I don't know if I want to see a match between them. I don't either. I mean, they're both baby faces. I think it was just a fun little vignette.
2: Marvez interviewed Chris Jericho's back. And he says, if MJF is going to bring the most violent and demented man in wrestling, I'm going to bring the most violent and demented version of Chris Jericho. I'm bringing vitamin C (laughs) with the ass cream. No, he turned around and we have the pain maker coming next week. Yeah. Out of context, this, this would throw a viewer. (laughs) <laughs> totally yeah some people didn't watch dynamite they're gonna
0: be like what they're pairing christian with jericho and doing ice cream again um i think you know this got a good reaction as every again everything
2: got got a great
0: reaction on this show they crowd recognizes the, the i'm coming
2: maker. back as that version of doink that i dressed up as before i, I attacked william regal yeah was, they doink! lost their shit doink! are you kidding me
0: Jericho We got <laughs> Doink and Chavo in the same night We get to see Jericho as Doink I can't wait to tell my family about this This is oh. going to be amazing Yeah, no, this, this crowd would have made it all up Um, This was appropriate, okay Because like Jericho in AEW at least has established That the paymaker is like his It's his demon <laughs> Like
2: It's his elevated version, right but I so list- I so wanted a Nick Gage promo Maybe we'll get it over the next week of Nick Gage Cutting a promo on the Painmaker. Oh, that's fantastic! Sure, he should do like somebody should pay
0: for a cameo just to ask for his thoughts on the Painmaker. <laughs> please do, please do. But this.
2: I, I, I have to say, like, I, I, I want know. a road to now with Nick Gage next week. I
0: hope they do a road to Nick Gage on BTE. Like, have him do the rounds, like everything. Stylistically, though, I don't know if like Jericho has been able to separate the Painmaker from like you know a typical Chris Jericho match, like. What is that level of extra aggression? There's gonna be blood.
2: That's what this is gonna mean. Blood. There'll okay. be blood next week.
0: There has to be, yeah. The Nick Gage match. Uh
2: in addition at In Charlotte, which uh they've sold a lot of tickets for this show. This has been a show that's done very well for them. Uh Santana Ortiz against FTR, Christian Cage, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus against Private Party and Helico, John Moxley or Lance Archer defending the US title against Hikuleo. The elimination match, we're doing the five-on-five t- the five elimination match, and the the names listed here, we had Omega, the Bucks, Gallows and Anderson against Hangman Page, Eva Luno, Stu Grayson, Alex Reynolds, and John Silver is listed here, who has not wrestled since his injury back in March. Uh, plus, we're going to get Tony Khan making a major new live event announcement. All right. A major live event announcement. And I guess we're going to get the Ricky Stark celebration with Brian Cage. So next week, folks, get ready. We've got Christian Cage, Brian Cage, Hangman Page, Nick Gage, and I think that's all of them, isn't it? Uh, no Steel Cage? No Steel Cage. Um, maybe they'll play some Kill Switch in Gage. Uh, yeah.
0: Sure. Um Maybe, uh, you know, maybe if the show does well, they can all get a increase in their wage. Oh. Fuck.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, they were in Texas I we tonight. Died. I was really hoping that maybe Sage would have shown up. Ooh.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Get him in there. All <laughs> right. We've gone it. Nick
2: Gage enough. versus Sage. Northcutt. <laughs> Uh, And then in two weeks uh, at Daly's Place, they announced uh, Miro defending the title and we are going to get Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black. And it's worth noting that they're going to be filming the Go Big Show, the second season uh, in August. So Mm. there is the potential this could be a write off for Cody, much like they did last year when he had to go film uh, after the Brody Lee loss. So Mm. uh, that's a pretty big match for August 4th at Daly's Place. Uh, with with those two and for for the second season uh they snoop Dogg can't do it so john cena's filling in cena no john cena they got sorry, dj Khaled. <laughs> never mind oh we're moving on we're moving that's on that's too that, deep i'm sorry uh, I, th- I thought that would be uh at, at at a level that would have yeah he does planned.
0: look just like him
2: i'm too tired i'm done i'm done john moxley really? lance archer texas death match for the u.s title These guys murdered one another. What would you think of Moxley and uh, the AEW Street Fighter collaboration t-shirt here with Moxley squaring off with Guile? Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe Jean-Claude Van Damme's coming in for all out. They're going to have a match.
0: Oh, I'd love to see Van Damme in AEW. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's the next labor of Jericho.
2: (laughs) 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 JCVD against CJ.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Jericho, you may have gotten by Nick Gage. This man is an international movie star, star of such hits as Blood Sports. He played okay, Guile. We get the countdown
2: clock for Jericho, but out comes the time cop. <laughs> oh my God, Dream Ant right there. You and Lance were sudden impact, well, I'm bringing you sudden death. But boom, there you go. I, I watched a lot it. of Van Damme in my day. So yes. Moxley and Archer. Um, I. Archer gets annihilated by Moxley right as they're introducing him as being from Dallas, Texas. And he got a pretty big reaction. Um, This was not like they were picking Archer over Moxley. They were both super over, but Archer, this was like a hero's welcome.
0: Completely. And I think you could see Moxley slowly, you know, work more heelish as the match went along.
2: Yes. Yes. The champion working with the Texas native and did wonders here for Keith Lee. Uh, there was a paradigm shift on the concrete. Archer comes up bleeding, and Moxley introduces a fork. We come back from break. Uh, Archer's uh, ankle is wrapped around the chair, and Moxley comes down, pilmanizing the ankle, and then bites the wound on the forehead. There's two chairs set up. Moxley avoids the blackout, but then he puts the chairs back-to-back, and Moxley gets choke-slammed onto these chairs. That, that looked look unbelievably fun sometimes like you know i think okay like
0: uh, maybe fatherhood is gonna slow some of these wrestlers down oh not the case for
2: this dude like no, this oh, guy's having gone. his midlife crisis throughout his 20s and 30s
0: yeah uh, i just man how like the recovery for something like this i feel like would take would take me like
2: half a year, dude. Dude, back pain sucks. Well, okay, back pain sucks. I watch these. Shit. I I would seriously. I would take. I I would take the paradigm shift on the on the concrete. I do the barbed wire, but man, you're dropping my back on top of chairs. No, I'm out. I'm In- out. Done. Insane. Yeah. So Moxley fires back with a paradigm shift and a lariat. Archer rises up and gives him the middle finger and then stabs him with the fork. We've got barbed wire boards introduced that are placed onto two tables. Archer stabs Moxley with the fork and then chokeslams Moxley off the apron through the barbed wire tables. And Moxley can't get up at the count of 10. 13 minutes, 23 seconds. Lance Archer is your winner. I will say, like, you watch this and, you know, it was Texas. The reaction was awesome. It was this was really great booking, but it was not the outcome I was expecting. But this is when you think about it, though, it's a way like they don't pin Moxley, but it's still a loss, a very rare loss for John Moxley. Um, mm-hmm. This was like there there was no other way you could have ended the the show, but this was like this was taking. Uh, I, d- I
0: disagree, John. There's p- plenty of ways they could have ended this show. There's the- this was the best way of ending it, but they could have ended it with. Lance Archer, the hometown person, getting pinned with Moxley's feet on the ropes.
2: You could have done that, yeah. You could have just beat him instantly. Uh, Lots of ways to to have done this. And the ending I never would have expected was our closing shot of Lance Archer holding up his belt, staring down Hikuleo for next week.
0: Uh, When this show started, no, I did not expect this closing image. No, <laughs> yeah, we're going to bookend
2: the show with Nick Gage and Hikuleo.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, This match was fantastic. Absolutely, yeah. it lived up to the concept of a death match. And AEW has shown that they, they'll do this. They don't really care if it's a TV death match. It's not a downscaled death match whatsoever. This was like, man, a star on the level of John Moxley taking this level of damage is like unrequired and I really do question it sometimes but I mean that's you know that's this guy has a reputation to live up to I think probably has great reverence for what this would be able to do for Lance Archer and probably wanted to you know give this belt a great to give this run with that belt a a wonderful send off I didn't expect this I thought Moxley would have made his way back to Japan somehow with the belt to drop it to you know like a, a bona fide new Japan guy Archer at this point now an AEW person taking on this belt it it makes you what wonder what some of those logistics may be. I also wonder if this would be a quick, short run for Archer before he drops it to Uh
2: oh, I wouldn't drop it week one, uh, having the belt. Like I would, like if I was New Japan, I'd want to get Archer on that that LA show next mm-hmm. month at the very least. I mean, that's only a couple weeks away. I would think you want him to at least be on that show, and Moxley's on that show as well. So uh, mm-hmm. you've got to figure in what whatever moxley is doing on that show
0: well what makes you want to think that they like why don't you think that they would have had moxley keep the belt if the the goal is to like you probably want to headline that show with a moxley title match but i guess it doesn't matter if he's going to be on the show either way
2: yeah i mean maybe you're they, they obviously have another idea for for moxley on that show i mean you could you could also do the rematch yeah
0: true oh god Man, how do you follow this it's like i i hate to see that again can you imagine like you just telling us what you you've been going through at the start of the show can you imagine like staying up at 4 a.m to the sounds of a crying child with whatever fucking
2: back pain you're taking on from no taking no, I a could Coke slam I could on not dude, dude my free time would not be landing on chairs and doing this i would not be cut out for this not at all but god yeah, bless john moxley crazy it was a great main event um You know, the the crowds, to me, have become the main event of these AEW shows, and it just seems like they are trying to come up with, like, ultimate... It's like Tony Khan has had every fantasy idea for months, and now he gets to just go wild with these ideas. And I think it's... I really think it speaks to an audience that is very conflicted now about what they get from their WWE product versus a company that they there's nothing off limits. If we want to get a Nick Gage, we can do it. They are never going to run out of interesting ideas. If they're if they were in a position, if Tony Khan was in the position where 3 weeks ago he was handed raw, okay? And we've got no challengers for Bobby Lashley. I promise you Tony Khan is coming up with something that would be out of the box. That maybe isn't Bill Goldberg, but it just shows you like that's the creativity they're working with. It's too satisfied the fan that knows who a nick gage is and it's probably a bigger audience than some give credit to but it's like it's just fun to watch that they are not restricted by contracts they're not restricted by promotions if there's a great idea they're gonna move heaven and earth to make it happen it's have you finished yet uh just
0: go <laughs> ahead oh, make well your analogy <laughs> It's Kang showing up. I mean, it's Nick Gage's Kang. You know, like, to, to uh, 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 somebody who doesn't really follow comics or, like, some of the chatter online, I think seeing Kang is basically means nothing. It's like, oh, okay, like, here's a guy that, I don't know, is supposed to be a big deal, but I don't know who he is. But the hardcores definitely seem to care, and I feel like they are, like, they the Marvel Universe has been as successful as it has because it's done a wonderful job of balancing its appeal across mainstream and diehard fans. But I feel almost with more of an ear to the diehard underground fan base because those will ultimately inform everybody else. If you satisfy the hardcores, I feel like you can't go too deep into it, okay? Like, fuck, Um, I don't know. Some names are, are probably probably like too underground, but... Nick Gage is that perfect sweet spot that is like just bubbling from beneath the mainstream uh, only needs like, you know, this type of exposure and really just needs the education and the exposure of a dynamite and the rest, the crowd will handle this audience reaction is, is going to be enough to make him a star and it's going to be spread to, you know, as many audiences um, that, that are big fans of, you know, Eddie Kingston, every time he does one of these live shows now. Um, So it's, it's a very satisfying watch if you are somebody who pays attention, but even if you're not, I feel like you can at least trust that new stars are going to be made and be, you know, uh, respected as such, uh, on almost every edition.
2: So, yeah, this was, uh, it, it was a fun show to watch a lot of, you know, interesting stuff to just set you up for next week. Like, I, I think there's going to be a lot of excitement for that Nick gauge involvement next week. and, also, like they that elimination match, like as we talked about, like I, it's gonna be interesting how they structure this show. Like I think that should probably be last. It should go long, but how long is it really gonna go when you have all this stuff announced on on top of it? I I mean, we could do with
0: I think at least half an hour. I feel like it's deserving of at least half an hour. I should I think it should get like the
2: last half hour of the show. Yeah. I, re- I just – I don't want one of those elimination matches where we're just zipping through eliminations and it's every two minutes someone's out. I, I don't think we'll get that. I just hope it's paced because you got – you, you might be doing as many as nine eliminations and you just don't want them to feel trivial and mm-hmm. – it's, it's a lot of big names that are going to have to take pinfalls, presumably, mm-hmm. in that match. And I – it would also be interesting that – I know the idea was thrown out of, okay, Kenny Omega just – maybe he's on the apron and then it gets down to him and he throws Cutler in there. Mm -hmm. AEW has been very careful about when they advertise things like they don't do that, that sleight of hand that is kind of just commonly accepted in wrestling. Like they've been pretty good about like when they put those 10 faces up there, I noted them because I think like AEW is not false advertising or just putting something up to just confuse you. Like even that time they did the deal with god it was the young bucks and it was something like they specifically worded it like they were taking on whether they said the elite or something like that like they actually made the language so it wasn't a swerve they didn't technically mislead you or false advertise something like they it's Mm -hmm. something like they pay attention to so in theory like page and omega have to be in this match next week and that's that's interesting yeah i think they'll follow through All right, let's go on over to the forum. Uh, Tonight's show, on a scale of 1 to 10, generated a 7 out of 10 rating. Starting things off is Jesse who writes the show was pretty good tonight. The main event was great. The women's match was disappointing. Neither Britt or Nyla seemed to be on the same wavelength and seemed to be off during the match. I love how AEW recognizes when something is not working and changes it. They noticed Vicky and Andrade were not working. So they decided to go with Chavo to represent him. I can see the Lucha Bros turning and joining forces with Andrade and being a unit, which would be cool. Nick Gage and Jericho next week should be great. We're all about to find out how far TNT will let AEW go when it comes to violence. So if true, how do you see Daniel Bryan and CM Punk joining AEW, changing the foundation of pro wrestling? I compare this to Holland Nash joining WCW and changing the wrestling landscape. I mean, we talked a lot about the punk thing. Uh, there is a report out there about Daniel Bryan. Uh, I have not been able to confirm that report. So I think it's, uh, you know, have to wait on that one, but, uh, To the other point, way I think just talking about the Gage and Jericho aspect of this question, it's fine. When you go back to one of the first scrums that Tony Khan did after one of the pay-per-views, you know, he was asked about, like, the level of violence on on the pay-per-view match and just stating, like, you're not going to see that kind of stuff on TNT. That has obviously changed greatly of, you know— I, I would say, like, with Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker as an example, like, I don't think they have many restrictions when it comes to that aspect of things. And when you perform well, uh, you're going to have a lot more leniency with your network than you might have on week one when Dynamite was just establishing itself. So I I don't know if they have many restrictions when it comes to how far they can go. Yeah,
0: I don't know either. I mean, I'm also, it's also a really interesting match that they would book – as a first match for Nick Gage, because nobody thinks of Chris Jericho in terms of death match wrestling. Um, and, you know, for Jericho, I feel like he's also the type of performer that understands the type of uh, reputation that Nick Gage has and probably wants to prove himself in Nick Gage's world to have a, a style of match that I think fans would be satisfied with, especially if it's the guy's first match in AEW. So I can see there being like a decent level of violence and risk attached to it. Um,
2: I I I would imagine just, just guessing that like, I would not be stunned in the least that this, this was Jericho's idea of of Mm. bringing in Nick Gage. Like, it seems like the kind of Mm. idea he would have with a specific plan of what, like, what his thought process would, would be. For the
0: story, I mean, Jericho going through a bloodbath with, you know, like this guy with this reputation, um, will probably help a lot, you know, for, for the big story that they're telling overall but uh it'll be interesting because i don't know what chris jericho in a death match is going to look like
2: are we going to get the podcast discussing the match after the fact with jericho oh, and nick gage if it's a big enough buzz
0: attached to it i mean have has nick gage been on talk as jericho he's he's done interviews i don't know if he's been on talk as jericho because I, I would so. love to hear mm-hmm yeah Uh, We got a Trent who says, I was live in the building both tonight and last week in Austin. I'm not sure how it came across on TV, but I felt like the crowd wasn't quite as great as last week. Still had some very high moments, though, like Chavo's debut. The deathmatch was one of the craziest things I've ever seen live. This product feels completely on fire, and I hope they can ride this wave all the way to all out.
2: The it, it crowd came off very well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was a high bar last week. I would maybe put last week's ahead. I thought that was one of the best crowds we've heard in a long, long time. So I don't think, I mean, you're... But a pretty pretty hot crowd tonight. That Chavo... I did not expect Chavo to get that level of reaction. Like, the, you always get the... The surprise is going to automatically generate a certain buzz, but it was fairly sustained, too, once he came out and was in the ring.
0: Yeah. I mean, they looked at him as like a
2: legend, you know? Uh, Next up here, we go to Dan. Another dynamite in the books, and I continue to be a very satisfied customer. It wasn't the most consistent episode, but I got lots for my two hours. Heck, I'd give this a thumbs up on the strength of Alex Abrahantus' fashion alone. Count me among the weird pocket of folks that only know Nick Gage by reputation. Full marks to AEW for knowing how to present the dude in a way that has me gagging to see my first Nick Gage match. Well, I hope you're not gagging. I'm jazzed for my first Hikuleo experience, too. Picture in picture note all commercials for the new Boss Baby movie are greatly improved by having John Moxley fork stab a guy's forehead in a portion of the screen.
0: Yikes. <laughs> that's, that's pretty Maybe funny. they'll do that in theaters as well, just like have the
2: movie play with like John uh, Moxley. A man mutilating static. a guy with a fork. Uh, John and Way, will you be watching the opening ceremonies on Friday uh, for the Olympics? I guess they'll be, like, early on Friday, right? Yeah, I, I don't know if I'll be... You know what? Maybe
0: I will watch it live because I'll probably be up, but um, um, I, I always have a slight curiosity about, like, you know, what production takes place, especially for this year's. I'm actually quite curious, you know, how these Olympics are going to be handled, what they'll look like, you know? So I, I'll probably pay attention.
2: Yeah, I was listening to, like, some interview about like the production of it and just ideas and stuff and like throwing out ideas of like do you want the fake crowd noise because there's an argument like in some events mm. the the drama of like you know all the guys lining up for the hundred meter dash it's like the yeah. quiet might actually add to it but you're also so accustomed to like at this this producer was noting the fact that even if it's a full arena it's a hush when everyone's lining up and the gun goes off but then the roar comes as the race Mm. progresses and you get the big climax at the uh, with the winner and and such like i am interested in that stuff too i i a very casual sampler of the olympics but the opening and closing ceremonies were never things i went out of my way to see i would like seek out certain events and stuff like that but i'm sure i'll see a little bit i'm more curious this year just given the the nature of things with, like, such a, you know, wide array of different sports to have
0: to account for. I mean, I imagine they'll they'll have to kind of experiment with every single one. Go through some of the first few events for some of them and then determine, okay, this feels really awkward without audience noise. So let's uh, call up the Thunderdome and get some of those MP3 files here and uh, play them for at least the celebration or something. But
2: and, that, and you do have, like, three weeks as well. Like, things can change. Like, if they see something's not working, like, you're going to have to, like... The the broadcast rights for this are just, like, astronomical. It's like mm-hmm. the, the television presentation is so... I mean, it's a huge reason why these games are happening.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh We go up next to Jomo, who says... Shida Watch. 63 days since a Dynamite appearance. Riho Watch. 154 days since a Dynamite appearance. I mean, they're former champs and wrestle on YouTube, so they're healthy. What is the excuse at this point? Even mediocre... QT, even mediocre white guy QT Marshall gets his nepotism spot on every dynamite and there can't even be a promo spot for your former champs. I love Brit, and I think Nyla is way better both on the mic and in the ring than many give her credit for, even with a botch or two, so I definitely don't want to see her their her, their time diminish. Maybe AEW can at least try to feature more women than Britt, her current opponent, and the seemingly MIA Jade Cargill. And how long can a guy tell us how good he is without doing anything or looking good? I hope they don't just have the Lucha Bros turn on pack to have all the Latinos together because Death Triangle rules. And I don't know why Penta or Phoenix would be slotted as lackeys for Andrade when I don't know any time he's looked on the Lucha Bros level other than the Gargano match. Anyway, I know Wednesdays are for fun and AEW really is mega fun most of the time. So I'll leave with this wish I need spoken into existence. Please give Stu a Cesaro silver spot in the five-on-five match against the elite, where he whips everybody's ass in one fluid motion. Um, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, I, I definitely kind of wonder. You know, like to me, it's it's been one of the biggest criticisms of this women's division. Whoever has the belt might get some feature time. You know, it used to be in the past. Okay, maybe like the champion would get some time featured and Britt Baker because Britt Baker is a star. Now Britt Baker has the belt. So I'll say at least it feels like the belt is on the top star in the company, but unfortunately that doesn't mean very good things for everybody else on the roster. It it continues to be that, you know, dynamite really just kind of has one women's storyline feud going on, um, per episode. And I can't really say, there's anything going on with Riho and Cheetah that I'm aware of. So it might just come down to star power, honestly, because like, what story would you put Riho and Cheetah in? Um, When you had Deeb and like Thunder Rosa in the mix, I guess you could at least justify two title matches. But you know what? They could put anybody on this show. I, I do feel like it's more of a ratings type of thing that they're mindful of. What do you think, John?
2: I mean, I I think it goes to like when when we're talking about this of like this balance of who is going to be featured, what are our biggest programs? Um, I I think like there are going to be casualties in all of this, and at, that's kind of where it comes down to. I would say you know there, and there's, there's going to be males too that are going to be part of this equation that you know disappear for a while. Um, you know, Riho, I'm just looking here. I mean, she had. She's been on two recent dark elevations since uh June twenty-sixth. And prior to that was that excellent match she had with Serena Deeb uh back at Double or Nothing. So I I would certainly want to reintroduce Riho in a in a big way because she hasn't been on Dynamite since um uh she hasn't been on Dynamite since February, as I'm looking here. So I would want to do a like build her up a little too. I don't want to see her just show up and just do a random match. I think you could do a lot with, with Rio in in that sense, but yeah, there's like, there are just not enough slots for a lot of these new programs. And that, that becomes another question. And you know, if Rampage changes some of this perhaps, but it's also like when you're kicking off a new storyline, like that is so much of your TV is now going to be dedicated to that. Like if you are programming, uh, dynamite from two weeks from now it's like okay mjf and jericho have to have a segment they have to have some representation omega and page have to have some representation we have whatever angles we want to shoot for the following week's tv because we want to have those key matches out and then you have uh cody and malachi black a re uh a muro match like the there's only so many segments and they fill up quickly. So it's, it's not just the idea of, okay, we want to use Riho next week. If you want to launch something with her, it's also having like a consistency. So we don't shoot an angle on this date. And then we don't follow up with it for another four weeks as Mm -hmm. well. So
0: like, that's, that's the
2: good and the bad that comes with like all these different characters. Not all of them are going to have sustained stories. The hope is that you can keep people at a certain Warm level so that a Lance Archer can naturally slide into a spot like tonight and people take him as as a big deal, even though he has not been featured for weeks, months at this point. Mm -hmm. I think it also largely
0: depends on like, well, what are what are what are the big stars we are building towards for, you know, the
2: next tentpole events, you know, like an all out. And at this you point, need like, challenges for Brit. Like you, you do need to be building up a challenger and, yeah. and that's something they, they have not done. Like you are largely starting from scratch or bringing in someone like revisiting a Thunder Rosa, for instance, which is a rematch mm-hmm. they should go to a, at some point. But yeah, that's like, I would want to be getting an idea of what, what are we building up for Pittsburgh now? Get that. I would say by next week, you sort of want to be teasing that. Cause I don't think that should be just a one week buildup. I think, Britt Baker needs to be in a major, major match um, for Pittsburgh. At least one of those TVs. Maybe maybe it's the Rampage debut that she gets the big match. It's got to be good enough for a main event. Yep.
0: Not yep. just for Pittsburgh, but for, you know, everybody watching. Yes. All right, finally, we got a kid from Montreal who says, in the last few months, I've become really fascinated. Sorry, did I, was this yours, John? Uh, go ahead. It's fine. Okay. I've become really fascinated by Nick Gage, and as soon as I heard MJF rattle off his accomplishments... I knew what was coming, and I literally yelped. Yes, everyone is excited about the other two who might show up, but for me, this was just as exciting. Top to bottom, this was a really solid show, and the main event was a great crescendo. Archer richly deserves a title, and I'm glad to see him get it in his home state as opposed to what happened to Keith Lee. It feels like AEW are upping the ante every week, debuting new people, and delivering big main events. I'm sure that Gage's appearance is a one-off this time, but longer term, do you think there's any chance AEW signs him? I feel like he's a little too wild to work on weekly TV, although I'd be happy knowing he had the
2: security of a weekly job. Thanks for the show as always. I think there's a really good, uh, like I I think every single fan watching this, like I, I just can't imagine Tony Khan not expecting like Gage to have gotten this reaction. I don't think he would have been booked if if he didn't think it would correlate to the larger audience. And I think everyone knows that next week, this guy's going to be among, if not the most over person on that show next week. So I, okay. I can't imagine this being only a one-off. He is in the same mold
0: as an Eddie Kingston as, a, a, and the same as an Orange Cassidy, you know, two guys who are, I think, well, especially in the case of Orange Cassidy, I think somebody who thought everybody, who everybody thought was, or many people thought was really just kind of like an indie star, like an indie gimmick. And look at the great job they've done of transitioning him to a competitive mainstream act. I have no doubt maybe it will, it, will, it will require some tinkering, but I have no doubt they'll
2: do the same with Nick Gage. They just have to let the guy speak. What do you think was the the turning point for Nick Gage that allowed for a reception like this tonight? Um, the
0: Arquette thing was a big one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, like, The buzz coming off of his appearances with GCW and maybe GCW's rise, you know, WrestleMania weekend. There's like that's when I was exposed to him. Several of those shows might have been a spring break or like at least some of those shows in that weekend were just the aura around this guy. When he walks out to that arena is unlike anything else that exists uh, in professional wrestling. Like the fans have a connection to him that is so incredibly unique. Um, that you don't get anywhere else. And when you hear the guy speak, uh, when his social media, uh, even his social media, like moniker just makes him such a unique, incredibly attractive character. That's unlike anybody else. So for me, it's like, it's been constantly building, but I I do think the arcade thing was probably a big turning and the dark side of the ring, probably cemented it for a lot of people. And you know what? Let's be honest. Like it's, we're still talking about a very small demographic next week though. We'll really, I mean, it's going to be the biggest match of his life
2: it It's very possible that next week I mean granted they it's going to be once the Olympics start, I think we'll get a sense of like what kind of competition are they going up against. It is going to be the Olympics on like tape delay for what's airing in prime time, but that could be a factor, but it is not crazy for for the idea that Nick Gage could be watched by over a million people next week like that's very that's a very it's real insane. possibility for that wow. match to have over a million people watching. That would be nuts. Well, I mean, nuts for him. Just kind of like think. I mean, it's Chris Jericho, so he, absolutely, you're right. It should. It, it should be right around a million, unless the Olympics are just doing insane numbers and hits everybody. Um, I'm just wondering, like from Dark Side of the Ring, like what what other figures could make their way to AEW uh, that AEW could work off of. Like they they've had some success now off of this franchise.
0: Oh man, it's done a lot for Brian Pillman Jr. Of Course, um,
2: Andrade's missing. new executive consultant, Sherry Tyree, the ultimate warrior's first wife,
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> that would be an out of nowhere sele- selection for sure. Um, <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, well, they're, they're doing that, that. that, they're doing that XPW episode, so I mean, that gives you plenty of characters to yeah. uh, choose from.
0: They're doing an FMW episode, so I I feel like Onita is probably already like one foot in to AEW already. Like the next barbed wire death match they have, exploding barbed wire death match, Onita has to be involved. That's the like that's your certification
2: that hey, we're doing it right this time. I'm sure there was a point along the way where Tony Khan was looking at okay, is this too? Niche in wrestling. Not to say there's not an audience for it, but there's not a big enough audience for it. And I imagine that just seeing what has worked in just ridiculous levels has given him that confidence that okay, we can, we can go pretty deep here in with the even within the wrestling audience, and mm-hmm. we, we can make it work. If we got a great introduction, a great story, a great promo guy, like we can like. I can be that much more adventurous with my ideas that something that appeals to me, it will appeal to a larger audience. Whereas maybe at the beginning of this, it was like, okay, that would work to a GCW crowd. It's not going to work on national TV. I'm sure that he has crossed that bridge where there's more faith in those kinds of characters, like where you could put an Onita on a pay per view and it might mean something.
0: Yeah, certainly. It's, it's, You know, when you really think about it in that sense, like it—it it feels like the there's so many there's so many like names that you could possibly pull from in wrestling lore to show up on an AEW and wonder what sort of reaction that they would get. You know, like random it, name right now.
2: Well, it's <laughs> when when you think about like the Akira mindset Towie showing up. Well, I was gonna go with like it. Had this been AEW launching before the man had passed away, I think by now we would have seen Dennis Stamp booked on an AEW wow. show.
0: Holy shit. The fourth labor of Jericho is
2: Dennis, Dennis Stamp. Stamp
0: in a trampoline match. Yes. Rest in peace, Dennis Stamp. Yeah. But totally. Tom McGee, like, Tom McGee, would, Tom McGee would get a huge reaction. Okay. Like, yeah. like, who's the best wrestler? Okay. Like, let
2: me try to think. Okay. Kenny Omega versus Tom McGee would be a match. Dude, they they'd really be well. billed as like father and son. If you saw the yeah. like Tom McGee in his prime, dude, he looks like the spitting image of Kenny Omega. So true. Don That's Callis comes it. out and cuts the promo. I called up your dad. Yeah. You may have uh, faced one Canadian. You haven't <laughs> faced another. Yeah. Oh well. Well, there we go, everybody. Uh, we are going to bring another end to this show. A lot covered. A lot going on in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, but we are going to be back later on this week. Rewind to SmackDown. Friday night, 1015 Eastern. All patrons, welcome. And then we're heading into the weekend. Yeah. Are you excited? Big weekend. Or what's going on this weekend? Oh, Grant. The Tokyo uh, yes. Dome show. Uh, that's right. The Tokyo Dome. With a main event that... Might not be what's advertised so far. That's that's part of the intrigue of what is the main event going to be on Sunday. We will find out. Are you going to watch that one live? How close to live are you going to watch it? Is that going to be a I'll I'll watch it when I
0: wake up kind of show? You know, since it's the weekend, honestly, it'll it'll depend. Uh, I might watch it during the Monday. It's also Braden Harrington's birthday. That's the other main event. Oh, God. He's just going to stay up and watch it right through, I bet. Well, his birthday is on Saturday, but I'm
2: sure he'll be up all night. All weekend. Oh, yeah. He'll just go right through. All right. Well, a happy early birthday then to uh, Brayden Harrington. And that is it for us. Thanks for watching. Thank you for joining us live in the Zoom room if you are a double-double ice cap or espresso patron. And that is it. Good night.